Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the accursed thing as we pick up in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, in chapter 7, we read that the children of Israel committed a trespass against the Lord in the holy things, or in the cursed things, rather. For Achan took of the accursed thing. That is, he took some of the spoil that they, were, that they said was to go only to God, and he took it for himself. And God's anger was kindled against the children of Israel. So Moses sent some men up to look over Bethel and Ai. Now Jordan is down in the plains. Jericho is down in the plains of Jordan. And it's quite a climb up the valley from Jericho to Bethel and Ai. Actually, when you're in Jericho, you're about 1,200 feet below sea level. When you get up to Bethel, you're about, oh, 2,800 feet above sea level. And there is this valley that goes up, a very beautiful valley, that goes up from Jericho up to Bethel. It was the natural route. And so the men went up and they looked at Ai, And they came back to Joshua, and they said, Joshua, there's no need of sending the whole army. Just give us two or 3,000 men, and we'll take Ai. So Joshua sent a regiment up to take the city of Ai. And the men of Ai came out against them. And they began to flee, and the men of Ai pursued them, and 36 of them were slain. And they came running back to camp. And Joshua fell on his face before the Lord, down in verse 7. And he prayed, tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face. And Joshua said, alas, and that's a term that means We've had it kind of a thing, you know. Alas, O Lord, why have you brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and we had stayed on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies, when the Canaanites hear of this? They shall encircle us and cut off our name from the earth And what will you do to your great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stand up, why are you lying on your face? I like this. It's like when Moses was lying on his face when they had found themselves trapped between Pihahiroth and Beth Zephon and the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army had cut off their retreat routes. And Moses cried out unto the Lord. We're trapped. And the Lord said, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Well, who else am I going to cry to? You know, you're the one that led me down here. The Lord said, 
stretch forth your hand. In other words, hey, now's not the time to pray, time to move. And there comes a time to move. And there's a time to pray, true. But then there's a time to get up and start moving. And Moses, this isn't the time to pray, this is the time to move. Now with Joshua, here he is, you know, laying out the whole lament to God. Lord, what are you doing to us? You know, what are we going to do? Turning our backs to the enemies. Boy, when this word gets around, they're all going to come down. We're going to get wiped out. We've been better off. We'd stand on the other side. Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord said, stand up. Why are you crying unto me? And then the Lord revealed to him that there was sin in the camp. They have transgressed God's covenant. For they have taken unto themselves of the treasure from Jericho. Now, as we make a spiritual analogy here, and I think it is important that we do it. You see, spiritually now, we are entering into a new dimension of relationship with God. The life and the walk of the Spirit. Now, God hasn't promised that it's going to be all victory. There are battles. There are giants in the land. Your flesh has been deeply entrenched for a long, long time. Now, they conquered over the first obstacle because they followed the instructions of the Lord implicitly. But having gained the first victory, a danger arose. And that was this business of self-confidence. Lord, we don't need your help with AI. We now know what the process of victory is. We're flushed with victory. God has just delivered this strong city into our hands. AI, it isn't nearly as big as Jericho. If we can conquer Jericho, then AI will be nothing. Lord, we don't need you on this one. We can handle this one on our own. Joshua, don't send the whole army. Just a couple thousand of us. We'll go up and take that thing for you. How many times when God has given us a victory over some major issue of our flesh, we get flushed with victory and with a feeling of confidence and we think, oh my, I've got it, I've arrived. I don't need help anymore. I can handle, you know, this little area of my flesh. That's really nothing, Lord. You know, I don't, you know, I'll be able to manage this one. No problem, God. And I go out on my own without first seeking God. God says, stand up. Why are you crying unto me? Had he prayed first, he wouldn't have been in the predicament he was in. Now, that is often true of our lives. If we had only prayed beforehand, we'd have never been in the mess. So many times when we're crying unto the Lord, say, oh, Lord, why, oh, Lord, is this happening to us? He say, hey, why are you crying to me? Where were you before you started the thing? I didn't tell you to go there. I didn't command you to get into that mess. I'm not the one that directed you there. You went there on your own. Self-confidence. I think, Lord, I can manage this. I can handle this. I don't need your help. And man, that's when the enemy always gives me a real trumping. Beware of that kind of self-confidence. And know 
that you can't conquer the least of the areas of your flesh without divine guidance and help. Sorry about that. But you're just as weak as I am when it comes to dealing with the flesh. And we've got to have the help of the Lord in every area of our lives if we are going to know victory over the flesh. Now, the reason why that is so is because God doesn't want you to become a proud fool and to go around boasting of how you conquered over your appetite or you conquered over this or that or the other and start laying heavy trips on us and becoming uh, sort of pharisaical against us, saying, well, you know, I used to have that problem too, but I just did this and that and the other, and anybody can do it if they really set their mind to it, you know, and that kind of baloney, and you start putting down everybody else like, you know, if you're only as good as I am, then you can make it. And so God lets us realize how hopelessly and helplessly we are lost without his help. So that when the victory comes, all I can say is, oh, thank you, Lord. You did it. I tried everything, everything to get rid of my temper. You don't know how hard I tried. I hated it. I hated myself whenever I would lose my temper. But one day God took it away. For a long time, I was trying to control my temper because that's what my mother told me. Son, control yourself. And I tried. And there were times when I was relatively successful, building up a real head of steam inside but keeping it capped. But then sometimes that cap didn't work. And then when I blew, I really blew because there was so much pressure inside at that point that, you know, then you really go wild. You just tear everything up. And then you feel miserable and horrible. Oh, no, why did I do that? Oh, you know, and you're just going through the whole thing. One day God took it away. It was no longer a, a process of controlling my temper. I didn't have a temper. I didn't realize that he had taken it away for several years. And one day something happened that would have really triggered me with a tremendous outburst, and there was no outburst. There was no steam. There was no anger. And I realized... God has taken that vile, horrible temper away. Oh, praise the Lord. So I don't have any little formulas for success on how to control your temper. I tried them all and they didn't work. But I have discovered that what I couldn't do for myself the Lord was able to do for me when I came to the end of myself, when I despaired of myself, when I knew that I couldn't do it, and I cried out in desperation, God, help me, I can't do it. 
Now, so often we think that, oh, that's the end of the road when I have to call upon God, when I can't do it. Oh, how tragic that you would get to that point. No, how blessed. <laughs> because that final cry of despair is often <laughs> the prelude to the first cry of victory. When God brings you to the absolute end and despairing of yourself, and you know that there's no way you can do it, and you give up, then is when God has the opportunity to step in and begin his work because he's taking you one point beyond yourself. That's always a great point to be. God, it can't be done unless you do it. So that then when he goes ahead and does it, I then don't play the fool and take the glory as though I did it. Now, God wants the glory for the victories in your life. God gave them a glorious victory at Jericho. They thought, we got it made. Don't send the whole army, we'll just go up. And they got whipped, came running back to Joshua. God said, don't cry unto me. There's sin in the camp. If everything was all right within the camp, you would have had the victory, but there's sin in the camp. They've taken of the accursed thing and so they called off the tribes, had the tribes come by, and God chose the tribe of Judah. They had the, uh, the families of Judah come by, and God uh, chose uh, this particular family out of the uh, tribes of uh, Judah. And uh, then God had the, the families to pass by, and God then picked out from the family this fellow by the name of Achan from the family of the Zarhites. And Zabdi was taken, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now, if you were Achan, how would you feel? You know, as all the tribes pass by, and then they say the tribe of Judah, you think, ooh, I wonder. You know, then they have all the families of Judah pass by, and they choose this family of the Zarhites. You think, uh-oh, getting closer. Then they have all the families of the Zarhites pass by, and they, and they choose then uh, your own household. And then it comes right down to you. And Joshua said unto Achan, my son. And I love, I, I love the way that Joshua deals with him in tenderness. Of course, he dealt pretty firmly in a little bit, but gives him a chance to repent, at least. Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to Jehovah, the God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now, what have you done? Don't try to hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and I have done this. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold and 50 shekels weight, I coveted them and I took them and behold, they are hid in the earth in the middle of my tent. The silver is under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. 
And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel, and they laid them out before the Lord. So Achan was guilty of stealing. This belonged to God. It was to be given to the Lord, all of the spoil of Jericho. But this man coveted. He saw this beautiful Babylonian garment. He saw the silver, the gold, and he coveted these things. And he took them and hid them in his tent, figuring no one would know, no one would see. But his sin was costly. It cost the lives of 32 of the men, or 36 of the men of Israel who fell before the men of Ai. A lot of times a person thinks that, he, that his sin only bothers me. My sin, you know, it may hurt me, but it only hurts me. My sin only hurts me kind of bit. No, sir. Your sin has a bad effect on others. And so Achan and his family were brought forth, and Achan was stoned for his sin. And then they went back to Ai, now this time under the direction of the Lord. And Joshua sent part of the army around the other side of the city to hide in ambush. And then he said, we'll come to the city like before and attack it with a frontal attack. And then we'll pretend like we are retreating as before. And we'll start running and let them chase us. And after they've all come out in the chase after us, then you fellas come from your hiding places and, and take the city. So Joshua sent some of his troops around behind the city to lie in wait. And so in the morning, he with his troops came up to the gates of the city, and the king came out against them with his men, and Joshua and his men began to retreat. And the king called all of the men out to pursue them. Let's wipe them out this time. And they began to pursue Joshua and his men, and they began to run back towards Jericho. And then after the men were all drawn out of the city, Joshua raised his spear, and the men who were hiding in wait, when they saw the signal, they came swooping upon the city that was devoid of men, and they set the city afire. And as soon as they saw the smoke of the city rising, then Joshua and his men stood firm, and they started to fight, and these fellows turned around, and they saw their city in flames, and their heart was gone, no more heart to fight. And the men of Ai... And the city of Ai and Bethel were then taken by Joshua and by his troops, guided now by the Lord. They are successful. Doing it and trying to do it by their own ingenuities, they failed by their own abilities, but now directed by God, they experienced the victories. So they came then to Mount Ebal. They moved on through and now are in about the middle of the land, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And there, as they were commanded to do, when you come into the land, you're to uh, stand there in the valley, you're to read the law of the Lord to the people. And uh, in verse 34, afterwards he read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. And there was not a word that Moses commanded which Joshua did not read before the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones, the strangers that were conversant among them. And so they told them again 
the conditions by which they would be blessed of God, the conditions that would bring the curse of God, the conditions by which they could be established in the land, the conditions by which they would be driven from the land, the blessings, the cursings, all conditional upon their obedience to the commandment of the Lord. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Joshua on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Joshua 7-8 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you give you a good day tomorrow. May he strengthen you by his hand. May your life just really stand out as a neat, beautiful example for Jesus Christ. And God keep you from the accursed thing that could spoil your witness and your testimony. But may you enter into a new dimension of relationship with him, walking after the Spirit, experiencing more and more the the, the neat joys of the victory of Christ within your life. As he gives you victory in those areas where you have been struggling so long in vain, may you begin to really enter into the glorious victory through the power of God's Spirit. May the Lord be with you and give you and your family just a very special beautiful day as you celebrate God's love and the gift of God's love, Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank God for the privilege of serving you, representing him, feeding you in the knowledge of him. What a joy, what a blessing, what a privilege. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come along on an exciting adventure as Pastor Chuck reads the story of the Ten Commandments to children. God wants us to keep the Ten Commandments, but we just can't do it. So Jesus came and did it for us. Featuring Pastor Ken Graves as the voice of God. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Honor your father and your mother. And Pastor Poncha Juarez as the voice of Moses. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And so many others. No, I will not let God's people go. Oh, no. Here comes the water. Go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to release my people. To order the story of the Ten Commandments book by Pastor Chuck, which comes with the audio CD as a gift, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.